0: Well, Ms. Nora, we're glad you're feeling a little better. All right. All right. Well, good deal. There is a children's book called Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I love this book. Uh, I didn't realize it was written in 1972, which means it was written after I was really a child. So I don't know where I came across this book or where I, you know, read it. But there are certain things about this book that I totally relate to. If you've ever read the book, you know that Alexander wakes up and the day begins awful. He'd been chewing some gum the night before and apparently it had gotten out and in his hair during the night. And then he goes to breakfast and his siblings get uh, surprises in their cereal bowl or out of their cereal box and all he gets is cereal. It doesn't get any better when he heads to school because you know the the teacher likes somebody else's drawing better than his drawing and it's just an entire day of everything that could possibly go wrong. And all along the way Alexander says if only I could go to Australia you know, this is a terrible, horrible, I can't get it all right, no good, very bad day. But if I could go to Australia, everything would be better. And so at the end of the day and at the end of the book, his mother says to him, or he says, Mom says, some days are like that, even in Australia. Well, isn't that true? That's exactly right. And I don't know about you, but I have had those terrible, horrible no good, very bad days. Sometimes you just wake up and you know, uh-oh, <laughs> this day is not going to be good. And there, there may have been periods in your life where it's been longer than a day. It's been a week, or a month, or a year, or seemingly a lifetime. David's life was like that. Some of the things that were going on in his life were brought on by his own actions, some not. He faced ridicule from his brothers. He faced a giant. His mentor and his role model tried to kill him. His own son usurps the throne and is at war over him or with him. He is often on the run. And the same is true for us. It is not a question of if... We're going to have some terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. It is not if we're going to have some terrible, horrible, no good, very day, very bad periods in our life. It is not if we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as David wrote about. It's not if it's what are we going to do? How are we going to get through it? And we may think to ourselves that, you know, God promised us that things would be better. That things wouldn't happen like this in our lives. We talked about this in the high school class this morning. We may think to ourselves, if only I could go to Australia. But you know what's interesting? I found out about this book. The publishing of the book in Australia... Instead of Alexander saying, I wish I could go to Australia, he says, I wish I could go to Timbuktu. (laughs) Why? Because the people in Australia knew that there were terrible, horrible, very bad, no good, whatever days. And so they wouldn't have been able to relate to the book as it was originally written. David is at his period in his life. We talked about this a little last week when we looked at Psalm 63. Today we're going to look at Psalm 62. And if you would, turn to your Bibles too there. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. They fully intend to topple him from this lofty place. They take delight in lies and with their mouths they bless. But in their hearts they curse. Find rest, oh my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock and refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Low-born men are but a breath; the high-born are but a lie. If weighted on a balance, if weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together, they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods, though your riches increase. Do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken; two things have I heard: that you, O oh God, are strong, and that you, O oh Lord, are loving, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Look at verse three and four again. How long will you assault a man he 's talking to the people out there who are who are against him david he 's not talking to god here he 's talking about the people that are against him. How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place and with their, and they take delight in lies. With their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts, they curse. David realizes and understands that he is having a really terrible, horrible, very bad, whatever. It's gone, so I can't say it all now. No good. There, no good's in there somewhere. Period in his life. Things are not going well. We will experience those times in our life. If you have never experienced up to this point, wow. Wow. God bless you. But I have a feeling you will. My guess is if I asked everybody to raise their hand in here who had never yet experienced a terrible, horrible, very bad, no good time of their life, I don't think there'd be many hands. Did I say that right? Okay. I want to make sure I didn't get it opposite. You know, you might have some that were a little younger, perhaps. Maybe a little more inexperienced. But I tell you what, I know junior high school, grade school kids like Alexander, who have had very horrible, terrible, get my point. David was experiencing this. And David uses this song as he writes it out to help him get through this difficult time. And what he says to us will also help us get through those terrible, horrible times in our lives as well. He talks about his faith. And our faith is important to us. And the first thing we notice from these verses is that faith is exclusive. Before we can begin to overcome this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad time in our lives, we must first take a personal inventory of our life. Where or in whom or in what do we place our trust, our hope, and our faith? When we are in the darkest times of our lives, are we going to place our faith and trust and hope in others? That's a little scary. We've talked, we talked. talked, you know, we spent 30 some odd weeks in the book of Hebrews talking about how that we ought to encourage one another and that that's what the church family is about. And, and, and yes, we ought to hope that we can gain some strength from each other. But that ought not to be our ultimate hope. I don't know if you've noticed this. People will let you down. People will let you down. David knew it better than anybody. His mentor Saul went nuts and tried to kill him. Took a spear in the middle of dinner and threw it and just barely missed him. He sent his army out after David to kill him. David's own son Turns against him and revolts against him. David knew better than anybody that if you put your total faith and trust in people, people will let you down. I could ask the same question. Is there anybody in here who has never been let down by somebody? I don't think we're going to get many hands. If any. Now, our church family is important. Our love for each other is important. But it cannot be where we place our ultimate hope, our ultimate faith. That has to be in God. Is it in our careers or education? Is that where we're going to place our trust? Is that where we're going to place our, tr- our, our hope? I know, especially in this community, we know better than that. If I were to ask how many of you have been laid off or fired, we got a bunch of folks, right? We got lots of folks who have lost their jobs at one time or another. We cannot place our ultimate hope, our faith, our refuge in our careers or our jobs. They can not see us through the tough times. What about in our, our wealth? We're going to place our, our hope and trust in our wealth? That can be gone like that too. You know, I'm not a uh, stock market dude. I don't really, you know, know a lot about it. I don't understand it. You know, I mean, I kind of understand it. You know, if it goes up, that's good. If it goes down, ooh, that's bad. That part, I understand but I don't know what to invest in, what not to invest in, or whatever. And several years ago, we had a little extra money. So I thought to myself, we're going to invest that in the stock market. One week later, the stock market crashed. I was like, yeah, I should have known better. The mattress. That's where you put your money. The mattress. No. But all that can be taken from us. Ask Job. Ask Job. It was there. And it was gone. Ask Solomon. And it's not just that it can be taken from you. Solomon thought that wealth and treasures and possessions that, you know, that was going to be it. That was going to bring him happiness. That was going to bring him joy. That was going to give him hope. And so he amassed all this stuff. And none of it was ever taken away from him, right? He never lost any of it like David did or Job did. But at the end of his life, Solomon says, "meaningless." Meaningless. It's all meaningless. I may have enjoyed myself here or there with some of the things that I bought. But it didn't bring real happiness. Real happiness comes from a relationship with God. David comes to an important realization that true faith, lasting faith, overcoming faith is found only in God. Did you notice that at least four times David used the word alone? To refer to God. God alone is my refuge. God alone is my strength. Now, is he saying that we cannot gain strength from one another at all? No, he's not saying that. We can. But ultimately, God is our only refuge. God is our only salvation. God is our only strength. You see, he had nothing left. All else had been taken from him. And he knew that his trust alone was in God. Our faith is not in God plus something. It's in God alone. And you see, that's what Solomon was trying to write in the book of Ecclesiastes. You see, he he realized that he had spent his whole life trying to amass this stuff. And he realized that it was really meaningless. And so he's writing now to his children. Saying, do as I say, not as I did. How many times in both Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, did Solomon say, listen to me? Any of you had those moments with your children? Listen to me. Right here. Are you looking at me? I got something important to say. And over and over again, Solomon says, son, listen to me. Don't make the same mistakes. Worship God and serve him now in the days of your youth. Don't wait until you're old to come to this realization. To get through the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad times in our lives, we must, must put our trust in God alone. Secondly, though, our faith is a confident faith. Now, I don't know how much to make of this, but in verse 2, it says he alone is my rock and my salvation he is my fortress i will never be shaken now that's the niv okay the king james says i will not be greatly shaken and the new american standard says i will not greatly i will not be greatly shaken but then in verse 6 it says i will not be shaken You see, we've talked about this before, how that in some of the Psalms, David is working through his own anxieties, his own questions, his own frustration, and he becomes his own counselor. And I don't know if this is what's going on, I I don't know enough about Hebrew to go back and really decide what it is but I, I get the idea that as david starts this, he says uh, god alone is my rock and my salvation i won't be greatly shaken and then he talks about what all the people are trying to do to him verses three and four and then in verse five he goes back to that but god is my fortress god is my shelter god is my refuge i will not be shaken It's kind of like he's iffy there at the beginning, but then he's emboldened by God. Emboldened by what he knows about God, emboldened by his relationship. And he says, I will not be shaken. You know, part of this confidence, though, goes back to point one. Our confidence has to be in God alone. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our wisdom. Our confidence is not in our strength. Our confidence is not in our ability to overcome anything. Our confidence is in God. David doesn't say, I am a rock. I am a shelter. I am a fortress. He says, no, God is my rock. God is my strength. God is my shelter. God is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You know, we can have fake confidence or dumb confidence. I've told this story before. Most of you maybe have heard it. There may be one person in here who hasn't. So I'm going to tell it again for their benefit. But sometimes... This will shock you. But sometimes my mouth or my actions get me in trouble. I know, you're stunned. But when I was in junior high, I was in 7th grade. Now that's back, guys, this is old, because 7th grade was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade. Okay? So ninth grade was still in junior high. And so I was in seventh grade and I was out playing at lunchtime with some other little bitty seventh graders. And I was a wimp, by the way. I was, you know, weighed about 110 pounds. And uh, so anyway, and we're out there playing basketball. And some of the really big ninth graders came up and they decided they were going to take our court. Well, it's not going to happen. Well, they did. They took our court. Took our basketball started playing basketball. Well, as soon as I got the opportunity, I got the basketball I said I'm not giving you the basketball Big guy probably played middle linebacker on the ninth grade football team and he comes up to me He's looking at me and he says If you didn't have those glasses on I would punch you in the face and you know when the Bible says, "Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing." <laughs> sometimes you shouldn't let your brain not know what your hand is doing. Because he said, "If you don't even have those glasses on, I would punch you in the face, and whoop! <laughs> there went those glasses. and he was a man of his word. slugged me right in the face and he got the basketball back. You see I had confidence I had courage but it was rooted in stupidity it was rooted in impulsiveness it was not rooted in fact it was not rooted in physics or physiology for that matter Our confidence has to be rooted and grounded in something that is worth having confidence in. And David says here, God is my strength. God is my refuge and I will not be shaken. We were talking about this in our small group last week. That when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember them? King Nebuchadnezzar builds the big idol and he says, everybody's going to bow down. And Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they don't bow down. And so the king hears about this and he calls them in. He's furious. And he says, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, I'm going to give you one more chance. Kind of like Little Bunny Foo Foo, but not anyway. That's just what came out. That's what I thought of when I said that. But anyway, I'm going to give you one more chance. You can bow down before the idol or I'm going to throw you in that furnace. And they said, King, we don't care what you threaten us to do. Our God is stronger. Our God will deliver us. You can turn it up ten times higher. Doesn't matter. Our God will deliver us. But even if He doesn't, we're still not going to worship you or worship your idol. We're still not going to bow down. Their confidence was in God as well. But their confidence was based in a faith and a trust in God that even went beyond their own understanding. You see, I could be confident and trusting in God if I knew absolutely 100% that he was going to deliver me from the fire. If God had come down and spoke to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and said, don't you worry. I'm right here with you. Uh, they're going to throw you in that fire. I'm going to guard you and you will not get burnt. Whew. Go ahead. Do what you want to, king. Now, that's what they believed. That was their confidence. But they also knew that, you know, sometimes God's will and our will and God's understanding and our understanding aren't always the same, and He might not deliver us. Oh, well. Oh, well. We trust and believe in God. God was, or David was, confident in salvation. He was confident in the rest that his soul could achieve. When our faith is in God and not in ourselves, there is an air of confidence about us. You know, are we supposed to be? Are we supposed to be proud? Are we supposed to be bold? And maybe there's a difference between those two. Maybe there's a difference between those two. But I believe that God calls us to be bold. God calls us to have confidence. Even in little things. You remember going back to Hebrews says, uh, because we have a high priest who can understand us, we can approach boldly the throne of God. Whoo. I don't know. You know, something about that and the way I was brought up, those two things just don't mix. The idea of boldly approaching the throne of God. Well, if my boast is in myself, if my pride is in myself, then I have no reason to approach God's throne boldly. But when my confidence and my hope is in what God has done for me through Jesus Christ, then God says, come on, approach boldly. And in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, Paul writes, What should we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus Christ who died, more than that, was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or a terrible, horrible, no good, really bad day... No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, neither the future, nor the present, nor the powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As Christians, as God's people, we ought to have confidence in God's power. Confidence that we can see that God will help us see these bad times through. Thirdly, our faith is also universal. In verse 8, David exhorts all the people to place their faith in God. While not all will accept the blessings of God, it is offered to them... We see a world of struggling people. We see our friends, our family, our co-workers, people that we come into contact with all the time who are not just having horrible, terrible, no good, very bad days, but lives. They want to find an answer. They are struggling to find meaning and purpose in life. They are struggling to find the boldness. They are struggling to find a rock, a shelter, a fortress in the midst of all the turmoil that is going on in their lives. And we have the answer. We have the answer. And what's so amazing about God's love, what's so amazing about God's salvation? is that it is infinite. Meaning there is room for everybody. You know, we talk about renewable energy and those type things and that, you know, fossil fuels and, the, you know, they're finite and eventually they're all going to go away and so we got to find all these other things. Or if some disease was out there, you know, they talk about... Uh, uh, well, I can't remember what it is now, the, the plague or something like that, that if we were to have another plague here, you know, we only have so many, so much, you know, antibody or whatever it is, vaccines and to, to cure people. And if that were the case, then, you know, we, we might want to hoard that, right? Keep it to ourselves. But God's love is not like that. God's salvation is not like that. It's like the the, the the widow's jar that just kept overflowing, you know, with oil. There's plenty of room. Just because I share God's message with somebody else and they become a believer and they become a child of God, doesn't mean that God's going to love me less. God does not have a finite amount of love. He's got more love and grace and salvation than we can ever imagine. So we need not to keep it to ourselves. We have this infinite resource of love and strength and power. And we ought to share it with others. Fourthly, our faith is rewarded. Look at verse 11 and 12 again. Now, I want you to, I want you to see if this sounds familiar a little bit. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, for our regular folks, If I didn't know better, I would think that David had been listening to my sermons. Because you remember when we talked about faith and doubt? Yeah, you do. And I said that in the midst of all the confusion and everything that's going on, we have to hold on to two things, right? God is and God loves me. Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. My guess is I probably got it from David. That's, you know. But it's nice to know that, you know, David is right there with me. God is going to reward us. In the end. We may wish we could go to Australia now. We may wish that we could go to Timbuktu. We may wish that God would just take everything, all the horrible, very bad, no good, terrible days out of our lives. Now. But he says, no, not now. But there's coming a day. There's coming a day. You have a faith that is exclusive in me only. You have a faith that is confident. You have a faith that you share with others and I will reward you. And there will come a time where there will be no more terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. When we will all be with God forever. If you're here this morning and we can help or encourage you in your walk with God, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing
1: we hope, by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D F I E L D. C O C dot O R G. Or you can email at D-Field C O C seven seven nine at AOL dot com. Or you can call us at nine zero three six four five two eight nine six. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at eight one eight. West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Her meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.